Thank you for joining the latest episode of Woman Podcast. Um, so today that we have invited Ivy Yu. So she is a news editor of a major Chinese media organization, and she's passionate about uh, international news and international relations. So we have invited her to talk about through her perspective to look at how the Chinese media organization ran from an inside perspective and also um, to discuss the difference between the Chinese media journalism and compared to international journalism. So um, welcome Ivy to join us. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Great. Hi Ivy, how, how do you decide to uh, come to the media field? Um, so I studied international relations back at graduate school. So back then, I very much focused on international, you know, re- relations analysis. So for example, right. my focus was on international history, with a particular focus on East Asian history, the United States engagement with East Asia back in the early twentieth century. So oh, I'm also a historian in that sense. But the thing is, when I was at graduate school, I feel like I'm pretty much isolated from the world because mm-hmm. my paper was only read by my supervisor. Mm-hmm. I gave academic talk, but only to people in the field. Mm-hmm. So back then, I feel like, despite of the fact that I feel so passionate about international relations, I don't see any impact of my work. It's just mm-hmm. one person reading my paper, despite of the fact that I had a lot of fun writing the paper. Mm-hmm. So I want to go to a field where I'm close to the general public. So that's why journalism pops up, because mm. obviously journalism is more accessible, accessible to most people. Right. So that's why I want to be an international news reporter. Mm. Right. Okay. So after you, you you join one of the largest news portal in China, does it you know exactly what you expected when you mm. were a scholar? Right. And do you, is your job really you know meet your how so? How so what fulfill your your dream of uh, the ideal job? <laughs> so is is the expectation meet reality? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, to some extent, I was yeah okay. To fit right, to large extent, yes, in the sense that I definitely connect to the general public really closely. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of my news articles were published on social media. So I can monitor people's response to my articles very quickly and I can see how many clicks, right? I can see how many likes. So it's very mm-hmm. obvious and I can see how people comment on my news stories. Mm-hmm. So I get the close connection that I want. But I feel like what I don't get is a holistic perspective on international relations. I don't I I, I feel like I sort of miss that after one year. Because back mm-hmm. at graduate school you have a lot of like holistic analysis of countries. For example, mm-hmm. how United States China policy will affect the bilateral mm-hmm. relations. Right. But right now most of the news are about, you know, very small minute details about Trump or mm-hmm. like Kim Jong un. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you begin to you know, you have a more individual focus on right. uh, reporting, individual focus analysis. Mm. So I feel like that holistic perspective probably is already lost mm. right now. Right. Yeah. Because that's, that's what happened when you're working in a news portal that's very focused on news and, and sometimes breaking news. Right. So that the key is how to get this news to your audience the fastest way. Right. Exactly. Mm. Right. right. How to get it in a most engaging way. And mm. the way to make it engaging is to make it very individual 
um, individual driven, very story driven, narrative driven instead of analysis driven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. That's a good and bad because I have to sacrifice to some extent in order to make it more engaging. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so for example, like uh, let's uh, take an example. Um, I mean, the biggest news this week is mm-hmm. Trump met with the Kim Jong Un. Mm-hmm. So. Can you give us some example, like how your publication talk about this news? Um, you know, what's the angle? I mean, for our audience who listen to our podcast, most of them, you know, would read in New York Times and the Wall Street Journals. You know, it's also focusing on this one story, but at the same time, they talk about, you know, what's the impact mm-hmm. to the U.S., what's yeah. the impact to China mm-hmm. and to North and South Korea, but. From your perspective, you know how your publication um, covered this story. Right, I think the way we covered it is again very much focused on the dynamic between the two people. So I, I think see. that the two actors are the most important thing mm-hmm. instead of the impact of the joint statement. Right. So for example, mm-hmm. while I was reading New York Times report on the Trump Kim summit, I noticed that they put a lot of an analysis on the joint statement. So for mm-hmm. example, the joint statement say they're going to cancel the military exercise between the U.S. and South Korea, mm-hmm. and they right. explain the impact of that decision. Mm-hmm. But for us, we focus most on the five handshakes between Kim Jong-un and Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, like the facial expression they have, mm-hmm. like how strong, you know, how much force they put into that handshake. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, also, like, you know, when Kim was saying, oh, President Trump, he um, when they first met, he was speaking English, right? Yeah. He said that President Trump, nice to meet you. And that was a huge thing in social media because everyone was like, oh, he can speak English. Yeah. And that is kind of like the th- how we attract readers to follow our news coverage. How do you see that this kind of reporting approach mm. and what does it mean to you as a professional media practitioner and also what does it mean to your audience? Right. Honestly, I'm, I have a, such a mixed feeling towards it. Like on the one hand, I think it's really great because narrative based and personal story based, you know, coverage is how people get engaged, right? People mm-hmm. find politics interesting in this way because they're interested in stories, in individuals. Mm-hmm. So I get more media attention. I get more people following international news. Mm-hmm. So that's good. I raise awareness. But on the other hand, I feel like a lot of important policy analysis is just lost in this process. Um, because as a chief editor, you know, for example, speaking on the perspective from the perspective of a chief editor, you obviously understand that you know a handshake story can get fifty thousand, more than fifty thousand views, but a mm. policy-driven story is five thousand views. Mm. So you don't want to invest too much time and effort into writing a very in-depth analysis of the joint statement, mm. right? Okay. And moreover, the joint statement. Well, it's not really that related to China in the sense that, you know, China didn't participate in the summit, mm-hmm. right? And the joint statement, the four key points of the joint statement, mm-hmm. you know, neither of, none of which is directly related to China's interests, right. right? So mm-hmm. that's why people just aren't interested in that right from the very beginning, right? Oh, so that's why, but, yeah, important things get lost. But do you think it, it's because your publication is a news portal? Right. So it's more like you know, Reuters or Bloomberg, you have to break the news, you have to compete with your competitors in terms of speed. But do you think other uh, print media or mm. TV, you know, media, they will focus, they'll provide more information? Right. Um, I think, 
well, for example, if you look at how Caixin covered it, or mm-hmm. like how the paper Peng Pai covered it, they mm-hmm. definitely talk about the joint statement, but the degree to which they analyze it is still incomparable to the New York Times or the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Okay, because, just yeah. just to interrupt here and to give a little bit. Um, introduction about Caixin, mm. which is one of the major Chinese business and financial journal mm-hmm. or uh, publication um, that focus on investigative and long form articles. Yeah, yeah, which and then, yeah, which yeah. is considered as the you know top tier, the top tier yeah, Chinese yeah, media. And Pompei yeah. is also quite news and political affairs, current affairs driven, right. serious media. Right, they are state owned publication, but they are quite critical and they are pretty independent in terms of the editorial teams. So mm-hmm. the quality of news is really high in these two organizations. Mm. Right. Then, so based on what you said is that, you know, even though for the top tier Chinese media, their coverage is still more focused on, you know, narrative more story driven mm-hmm. rather than the in-depth analysis mm. about international relations mm. compared with their counterpart mm. in the U.S. Mm. or you know in in Europe, for example. So why is that? Is is that because Chinese audience more used to this kind of fast food uh, uh, content or or something else? Right. It's very hard to pinpoint one single reason. I personally feel like social media is partly to blame. Mm, um, because okay. the rise of Weibo, the rise of Weixin, the rise of South Media is so pervasive in China. It's just everyone is on Weibo, is on WeChat right mm, now. Mm. So even for Peng Pai and Caixin, they also need to consider how they can attract more readers through Weibo and Weixin, right? So they need to change and adjust the way they cover news based on the platform they're in, mm. right? So I think that they obviously also understand that if they're more narrative-driven, mm-hmm. they are going to attract more people to read their stories. Mm. So I think that they might want to, you know, they may have already decided to just divert part of the resources to more social media-like mm-hmm. uh, news stories. And for the rest, like 50% of the news mm-hmm. team, they are reporting just as traditional news media. Right, so I think that the dominance of social media in China plays a role in, you know, even the editorial team of Peng Pai and Caixin. So, I mean, going back to your day-to-day job, mm. um, can you maybe describe what's your day like? So what do you do? Um, because you're an editor, so mm. you're not a journalist, and so you're, don't, you're not going out and cover news, right. but you, you are editing lots of lots of articles that are written by a journalist. So maybe just describe your day for us. Right. It really depends on whether or not there is a significant news event of the day. So for example, during Trump Kim Summit, so obviously all of our attention is put into that summit. Mm -hmm. But for an ordinary day, most of the times I will edit our foreign correspondent news piece first Mm -hmm. because we have a foreign correspondent based in um, the Washington DC. She's covering the White House. Mm -hmm. So most of the time she was sent us news stories that she wrote um, during the night. Mm-hmm. So in the morning, I will, me as well as the chief editor, will edit her piece. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first part. And then we'll scan through major international news paper. So for example, the New York Times, Washington Post, and then go to more regional focused newspapers. So for example, the Rappler in the Philippines, mm-hmm. Al Jazeera in the Middle East, mm-hmm. to figure out you know, what are the news stories that we should cover today. Mm-hmm. Right, and then we'll tell the journalists, you know, these are the stories that you may want to consider working on, mm-hmm. and then we'll 
talk to each other to find a way, like a new perspective to cover that new story. Mm. Right. And then that's the second part. I'll just talk to our journalists, pitch stories. Mm. And the third part is to edit um the freelancers pieces because we also have freelancers. Mm. Uh, we have freelancers all over the world. So some of the times the story pitch they give us is just very hard for Chinese people to relate. So we also need mm, to write emails right. to them to explain, you know, why this angle probably is pretty hard for Chinese people to understand mm-hmm. and then edit their pieces as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So that mm-hmm. kind of like the three major things we need to do. Right, right. How, how big is your um, journalist team? It's pretty small. Um, so in terms of journalists, we have three journalists. The mm-hmm. editors, we have seven editors. Mm-hmm. Right. So oh, you have more editors. Right, we have more editors than journalists. Interesting, right. Mm-hmm. Again, it's related to the nature of my news organization because it's a portal, right? right. So we right. are more focused on breaking news instead of original reporting. Right. right. I see. I see. And then, what would be your criteria when you editing your journalist mm. articles? Mm. For example, apart from like making sure that the language are mm. fluent and there's mm. no grammatical mistakes, what would be the key principles, guiding mm. principles, uh, of your your editing your their pieces? I think the guiding principle is whether or not the thing is important to Chinese readers and whether or not Chinese readers can relate to that. So for example, our foreign correspondent based in Washington DC, she's a very experienced, very talented journalist, but because she is in DC for probably a decade, Mm. so she lost sight of what things Chinese people are interested in. So Mm. for example, when she was covering um, the collusion with Russia, Mm. so she wrote a lot of articles about, for example, Paul Manafort, um, the former campaign chairman of Trump, uh, right? So mm-hmm, he wrote mm-hmm. a lot of pieces about him. And I was like, most Chinese people don't know him <laughs> and don't care about what he was doing. Because at the time, he was being indicted. He was also under investigation. Right, yeah. Uh, so we're like, no, Chinese people don't really right. know him, right? right? So we need to remind her, you know, what's the angle that most people would be interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's my important thing. Um, mm-hmm. And also to find a China, China factor. So for example, yesterday I was um, talking to a freelancer and she was pitching a story to me. Um, the story was about water crisis in Pakistan. Mm. And I'm like, yes, that's important. That's great. But it's just, I don't see the China angle there. Mm-hmm. Or I don't mm-hmm. see how Chinese people need, want to care about this issue. Mm. So you need to find a way that can somehow exert some impact on China mm. so that people will be engaged in this mm. topic. Mm, right. Okay. So yeah. it's China. It has to be very China focused and has a China angle, or it might be just the story itself is just very interesting that every individual will be interested in. Right. For example, like, oh, for example. Which, oh, which? um, for example, there was one piece I was editing last week. Uh, the piece was about the transgender community in Pakistan. So oh. the piece was about uh, the Pakistani government introduced a special. ID cards for mm-hmm. the transgender people. I was like, oh, this is such an interesting perspective because I right. don't know that they have a new ID card, a specific ID card just spoke, just give to transgender people. They have oh. a gender C or like gender Z. Yeah, okay. a special type of gender. Interesting. Right. I'm not sure uh, if I'm transgender. <laughs> I don't know what to have that ID card. That everyone knows. Yeah. 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 That's probably also true as well, right? But, but I think that the I think the rationale behind right. is yeah, to give yeah. them legal protection. Right. But that's a very interesting story. So I'm like, mm. even if it doesn't have any China factor, mm-hmm. that's a story that we want to rent. Um, oh, right. Okay. Right. That's that's very cute. 
So, yeah, I mean, just now we discuss a little bit about the 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 real wedding、mm. that you guys attract a lot of attention. Your coverage attract a lot of attention there,、right. <laughs> and the criticism. Can、right. you elaborate a little bit? I think that's a very interesting case.、Right. The royal wedding between Prince Harry and Meghan. <laughs> yeah.、Right. <laughs> we were very surprised that we got so much criticism because of it as well, because we put very a lot of efforts into covering that.、Mm-hmm. We you know prepare a lot of things. Um and our entire news team was there covering the news story. Yeah. But the thing is, I think halfway through it, we began to receive like you know private messages from we, yeah, from social media users、right. saying that enough is enough. Yeah, you、right. just should. Oh really? Yeah, seriously.、Uh-huh. And I see the the most funny part is that I see a lot of people writing messages on their own like. Social media walls,、uh-huh. uh, timeline saying that I am fed up with these accounts because they have been talking about royal wedding weddings all the time. Right, <laughs> right.、Oh, so、okay. it's it's just so sad the degree of you know anger they have against me、right. against us as a team. Why? Why do you feel? Why do you feel it's like is that? Um, I think one a lot of people think that it's very much entertainment because most people understand that the wedding itself is. It's very much a show, right? It doesn't、yeah. have much political implication behind it. Right. But most people follow our news accounts、mm-hmm. because they're interested in social political issues, right? So they they think that oh, that's entertainment. You shouldn't cover it in the very beginning. Right. right? That's one.、Mm-hmm. Second is I personally think that they dislike Megan, uh, quite a lot. For example, because when I read people's comment, a、mm-hmm. lot of them were saying. Oh, she's tarnishing the the blood of the royal family. Oh my god!、Uh, oh my god! She's tarnishing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And that's one. And second is because she's divorced. She has divorced in the past. Right. right. So that's like against the traditional. Yeah. yeah. Like、mm-hmm. against the tradition of a good wife. Of good wife in Chinese standards. Right. In Chinese standards.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Despite yeah. the fact that people are evolving. In terms、right. of social values, but that idea is very much entrenched in their minds.、Mm. Mm. And how does that impact how you're gonna select news in the future, as from an editorial、yeah. perspective? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I haven't thought about in the past.、Mm. I mean, like probably we'll still cover it if there's another royal wedding because it's such. It's not going to happen for a long, long time. <laughs> The nature of the event is just very important. Right. Right.、Mm. I I think that um you understand like we as professional news you know news editors or news journalists we understand that there are events that will not receive any attention probably just no one cares but because of the nature of the event it's just so important、mm-hmm. it may have long term implication you still have to cover it and I think that Trump. You know Trump's collusion with Russia is an important example. Like we understand that because it's so draggy. It lasts for like the investigation lasts for like、right. two years. Yeah. And a lot of times Robert Mueller, which is like the special counsel, um, is he's he's kind of like investigative result is it's very much very hard for Chinese people to relate, right? So for、mm-hmm. example, when he indicted Paul Manafort,、mm-hmm. Chinese people can't understand. But we still have to report on it, despite the fact that we may cut down the number of news articles we write on the topic, but we、mm-hmm. still have to write about it because the nature of the investigation is just、mm-hmm. important.、Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. Interesting. And then I have a question about you touch a little bit about on trying to get the right balance of 
uh, writing or delivering a piece of news that's engaging mm. to your audience, but mm. at the same time, you also want to give them important news. Right. So, so during this process, you are playing a role of selecting the information mm. to your audience, which that you ultimately you would insert your own values or your media organization's values into this editorial selection mm. process. Mm. So maybe maybe tell us a little bit more about how you make that decision and how you see your role in making that decision for your audience. Yeah, this is a really good question. It's really hard to answer. Because I'm also struggling with it. Um, mm. I'm fairly new. To We'd the... love to hear your struggles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's the best story yeah. actually. Okay. Yeah, it's a thing I struggle with a lot because I'm fairly new to the to this field. I've been working here for a year. Mm. Um, and the thing I struggle with the most is that how to stop myself from you know being too judgmental while mm. selecting news mm. to cover. Mm. So I remember when I just started working, there was this. Um, riot in Charlottesville mm. in the US, right? There's a race riot there. Mm. Right. Uh, and one woman get killed because of it. So I was report covering that event. And I remember that, you know, I, I, I pretty much show that I dislike Trump in that news coverage mm. because Trump was saying, oh, there's like more equivalent between the two because he was saying, oh, people are wrong on both sides. Mm. And I remember yeah, that I remember when that. I was covering Trump's comment, I was very critical. I was like, obviously that's all the same. Mm-hmm. I remember me saying something just pretty frank. Mm-hmm. And then I read people's response to my news story. And mm-hmm. it was just personal attack. It's just very bad. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people labeled me as, you know, baizu, um, the white uh, lefties. Okay. Right? Right. A lot of people say, oh, you're the white lefty. You're obviously a Hillary supporter. Um, and how come you are being a journalist, given that you're so biased? So oh, everyone's just being very wow. personal. Yeah. They 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 obviously know a lot about U.S. politics. <laughs> it shows that your readers are very well educated. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. It requires such such Search personality to read international news. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. But I think that he, he, the woman podcast also ran uh, an episode on why Chinese people like Trump, right? Yeah, yeah. how Chinese people feel about Trump. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Kinji yeah. Zhao from yeah. New York Times. Exactly, yeah. and a lot of Chinese people do like Trump. Mm. So that's the reason why they dislike Hillary. Mm. That's the reason why they supported Trump's comments on Charlottesville. Right. 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 So I remember back then, I was very torn. I mm. was like, why I had to put myself into such a struggle? Mm. So I was talking to my chief editor, and he mm. was saying, you know, as a journalist, you you know, you know have to try to be fair, to be unbiased. Right? Mm-hmm. Even if you dislike right. Trump personally, you have to hide that feeling. Mm. You can't... Cause if you try to convey that feeling to your readers, mm-hmm. then you are just, you know, impulsively forcing them to accept your moral views because they're reading your news articles mm. and it's right. unfair to them, right? Mm. So I was like, yeah, probably that's true. So from that point, I try to adjust my way of covering things, right? Mm-hmm. So even if right. I was reporting on a, some very horrendous thing mm-hmm. that Trump said, I was like, he said this, mm-hmm. and then you look at what he said, I'm mm-hmm. not going to make any comment. Right. So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's more about like reporting the facts instead of making a commentary about what you right. you feel you about, feel about that. what he Yeah, said. I think that's probably the habit that I got from graduate school back then because mm-hmm. I was, you know, studying international relations and we mm-hmm. just wrote analysis, you know, in your your submission, in your mm-hmm. thesis, you, you wrote about your feelings, you wrote about your, your opinion, your take. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. it's so hard. I mean, it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Over the 
I was a reporter for for four years, mm. and then I I met a lot of reporters. They have been in this field for years, but they still you know how to say conflict mm. or suffered from the same experience that you have. Right. They're so conscious about you know how I can be balanced, how right. I can try mm. not to put my personal view into the article, but mm. it's so hard. It's so hard, right? Because you, you're human. You're, you have feelings and obviously you have opinion about things and then it's just difficult of finding the right yeah. balance. Yeah, and then you, you keep, you know, I, I think most of qualified reporters, they try to, when they try to uh, reach out to certain interviewees or when they try to write article or select a topic they want to talk about it they, they, they try to be as balanced as possible but mm. however somehow you know when you choose certain questions or when you reach out to certain people there's also unconsciously you know you may make a choice mm. yeah I, I mean recently I talked to somebody who write for very top tier international publication and she writes a lot of in-depth stuff mm. and she said I'm she, she asked me, she said, what do you think of my writing? I said, I love it. I think you did a very good job mm. writing about China. And she said, but I still got a lot of, you know, hate emails saying oh, that, really? yeah, okay. saying that, you know, why don't you like China? Why do you mm. cover this way? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if she tried to be a, a little bit more balanced and she got some other group of people saying that, oh, why do you support that person? Mm. You know, he's, you know he's doing something wrong. Why you're so soft on them. Yeah. Mm. Particularly if she writes something about Chinese government, there's mm. always more buzz about it. You know, mm. people say, oh, why do you support Chinese government? Mm. And if she be- become a more critical and people say, oh, you're not a balance. Mm. So there's just so much constant, constant conflict right. about yeah, right, right. it. Yeah. And <laughs> at the end, we were discussing it. I said, you know, just stop reading the people's <laughs> Well, comment like, section. Right, Seriously, yeah. that's what I do. So, well, yeah, when I when I write some comment piece, I just don't read it anymore mm-hmm. because it can you can easily be influenced mm-hmm. and and start to consciously you know doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really hard. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a hard struggle. I think right. a lot of reporter, not not only you. I mean, a lot of very very experienced reporter mm. that I run into, they, they still have the same feeling. Mm. Yeah. Right, because the comparative people users is completely different. So for example, yeah, for someone exactly. who we, people say, if they look at um, this journalist report, they will say, oh, you are so critical of Chinese government. Mm, mm, mm. But if it's someone who reads Washington Examiner, mm. and they will say, oh, you are so soft on Chinese <laughs> government. So, yeah. yeah. So where, how, yeah. how do you find the right balance? I mean, I've never been a, a journalist, but I've studied journalism you know, in university, mm-hmm. and, you know, the things that we debate about as students is how do you produce a fair and mm. unbiased mm. Uh, article, mm. and then it, it's so difficult, but at the same time, there are certain rules that you follow, mm. so what would be your experience, actually, from both Ivy and, mm. and Yadrin's perspective, because mm. you're, you were, you are a media practitioner, mm. so what was your principles guiding your your journalism standard? It's very hard. My personal principle, I would say, is diversity. Mm-hmm. Try to ensure that my sources are uh, as diverse as possible. So for example, right now, I not only read the New York Times, I also read Washington Post. I also mm-hmm. read um, the Fox News. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right. confess that I right. also read, read uh, Red Rock sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
again, is a showcase of your value system. And I remember um, there was one course I studied in, in university that strikes me so much still today is uh, about media ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, 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 a, there's sort of like um, unspoken consensus about how you define news value in news events. Uh, I have a question. So you mentioned that, you know, you sometimes what you write fit into the nationalism. Mm. I mean, that's a topic you, you see international media covers all the time about, you know, the, the, the strong nationalism in, in China, mm. sometimes called Wu Ma Dang, right? Mm. Is there a translation for that? Five, five cents. Party. Yeah. I think it's it's because about how uh, allegedly some organization hire people mm. to to make comments in a certain direction, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. uh, one comment equals five cent, mm. which is oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you for the background. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So right. so when you when you write articles about international event, it's very much easy to easily trigger that kind of you know strong spirit from chinese readers mm. did, first did you account uh, encounter this kind of situation and a lot and secondly you know what, what's the editorial attitude about it do, do normally you know we encourage it or you know we try to balance out or you know because if your coverage fit into their tone so yeah. they may read it a lot they may got it may get get a lot of traction and people may you know circulate it and may may maybe may good for for the website right? right 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 on the first question in terms of whether or not i see a lot yes <laughs> i do see a lot so for example when you report on shooting in mm. the u.s the response you get is always, oh, it's so safe in China. Right? Mm-hmm. People's response is, oh, you know, if I live in Beijing at 12 p.m., I can mm-hmm. still go out and have a barbecue with my friends. That's right. always the response. So people feel, you know, this shooting, it just shows that how strong China is, how safe mm-hmm. Chinese society is, mm-hmm. right? And on the other hand, for example, the Trump-Kim summit, um, a lot of people's takeaway from the summit is that China won because the joint statement says that, well, Trump says that he's going to cancel the military drills with South Korea. That's mm-hmm. what China wants. And also, Kim says that he's going to denuclearize. That's also what China wants. So a lot of people say, oh, see, the clear winner is China. Mm-hmm. It might be true to some extent, mm-hmm. but it's just, I am very surprised to see that that is their major takeaway. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of, like, you know, nationalist sentiment is just unavoidable. They, that's mm-hmm. how they read things because mm-hmm. they had their own filters in their mind. Yeah. Right. So, so it's quite a lot. Yeah. So from editorial desk, editorial perspective, mm-hmm. so when you were your chief editor, you mm-hmm. know, choose certain news or write certain articles, what's your take? Do, do you normally try to go along with that consentment or yeah. Why not? <laughs> I asked him about it very seriously one time. Right. And his response is, sometimes he may try to feed that um, because, you know, this event might be just important to the rising nationalist sentiment. Sometimes mm-hmm. he might tr- try to feed that sentiment, mm-hmm. but sometimes he may try to calm people down. Um, so, for example, when it comes to reporting on India, 
So he will report. There was one time they were reporting on the Supreme Court um, decision in India mm. about why privacy matters. So mm-hmm. reported on that, despite the fact that there is very high tension between China and India back then, right? Mm. So people's response were still, ah, you know, we hate them so much because they are having confrontation with us in Dhaka. But still, some people are saying, see, India is a democracy. Their Supreme Court is independent. They mm-hmm. definitely value privacy, mm. right? So we... We still report on news that we feel people might not like, but mm-hmm. we think that important to them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, for example, race riot in India, it will feed nationalism, mm-hmm. but because of the nature of the news event, we'll still report on it. Mm-hmm. So we think that, I would say probably the standard um, in terms of what news to report and not to report for us, mm-hmm. is still the news value itself instead of how people will perceive it. How people respond Interesting. to Interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but, but the thing is, there's a disconnect between our editorial team and the company's value. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Because the company mm-hmm. don't think news value is most important. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So that's yes, so that's why the, the chief editor's job is so hard. Right. You right. always right. need to balance, you know, your, your, yeah. Yeah, your, your value and your journalism shareholders. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you need to report to, to the company who right. may look for profit, right. Right? Yeah. revenue, all of that, the, the, the P&L. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a tough job, especially yeah. after I watched the, the movie, The Post. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, yeah. a, that's an awesome movie. Right. Yeah. 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 Another question I want to ask is, you know, when we talk about Chinese media, mm. a lot of foreign readers, foreign audience, they're the, the first word in their mind is censorship. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you, you can talk as much as yeah, you want. Yeah, sure. No yeah, worries. so how often do you encounter censorship when you edit an article? Mm. And what, what, what kind of topic, which is the most sensitive ones? Well, I only speak on behalf of international news reporter. Mm. Trump is the safest option. He is like a good news to all journalists. Because <laughs> he saved the field. Everyone <laughs> likes him. But the thing is, because he, he himself... Because his quotes are like like quotes we can use. Sunglass, right? Mm, so yeah. it's just so natural for everyone to report on him. Yeah. But when we report on him, we also give him media attention it's yeah. just good for him to get electoral votes yeah so that's uh that's it's like thing. it's like a vicious circle mm, or a vicious circle right. to be honest I'm, I'm so mad at cnn because in my apartment <laughs> we can get cnn um canada or the u.s channel ah. so not the international travel channel it's the, the, the u.s channel mm. for god's sake every single morning the only thing they talk about is trump oh really every <laughs> single morning and mm. and they can have like five, six analysts or commentators mm. on TV. They will stand there, you know, look really dressed up, you know, with beautiful makeup, just talk about every single thing about mm. Trump. Mm. And I was thinking, you know, there's so many important oh, things. Life, right? Exactly. <laughs> there's so many important things right. in the U.S. Yeah. that you can talk about, you yeah. know, racial issue and religion and all of that. Mm. And they just spend hours and hours every single morning talking about Trump. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We should yeah. avoid talking about him. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? See? So that's, that's the Trump effect. Yeah. So you just draw Oh, that's so scary. Like, let, let, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, let's change the topic. Let's change the topic. Yeah, I mean, I want to discuss a little bit about, you know, the, the based on your experience, the difference between domestic and the international <clears> part. <throat> um, I mean, 
we, we actually just now we have already discussed a lot. Mm-hmm. But you, you mentioned that you read international coverage mm-hmm. on international affairs every morning. So from your perspective, and also working in inside of a news organization. So based on your observation, what's the biggest difference between Chinese uh, and international media? I would say to a very large extent they are quite similar because there are different types of news outlet. Mm, um, right. People like organization focus on breaking news and organization mm. focus on more in-depth analysis. But I think that one crucial difference is probably the degree of you know importance of investigative journalism. Mm, um, okay. Because I think that there is a revival of investigative journalism in the international news, you know, outlets. Mm. So for example, you have ProPublica in the U.S. and you have. Um, I think New Yorker, for example, mm-hmm. which has yeah. a lot of, for example, Me Too movement stories, mm-hmm. also written by New Yorker staff. So, but in China, investigative journalism, you know, is that right now because mm-hmm. no one is in the field because it's so hard to do investigative reporting mm-hmm. right now because of policy constraints and also because it's so long, it requires so much time and mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. into doing it. So don't have the luxury to do it. Yeah, no news outlet has the luxury to do it anymore. What about Cai Xing? I I feel like Hu Zhuli, obviously, <laughs> she is one of the pioneer in Chinese journalism. Yeah. Uh, and then she, when she started Cai Xing and then left Cai Xing to start Cai Xing, a lot of important news yeah. were broke by Cai Xing. Yeah. And I think the most recent that I would remember is the, the reporting of Anbang, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so would you also feel like that, you know, because you mentioned that the, the you feel like investigative reporting has died in, right. in China. Would you categorize that as investigative Yeah, reporting? of course, of course. Yeah, where I say uh, it has died, of course, uh, I, I think that I might exaggerate a bit because Cai Xin is doing an incredible job in mm-hmm. this regard. The unfortunate thing is that there are so few. Mm-hmm. Right. So few people yeah. have the yeah. luxury of time mm-hmm. and have the yeah. authority, credibility to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also there's taboo area that you can't really yeah. touch. Yeah. So there's even like, even Tai Xin you cannot touch. Yeah. 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 yeah, I feel like actually, I, 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 maybe you can share your, your view on that. To a certain extent, I feel Chinese media is going downhill mm. over the last few years. I mean, I mean uh, when I was a reporter, and um, we always go to Nanfang uh, Zhou Southern Weekly, mm. you know, a um, bunch of Caixin is one of them, and a bunch of media publication was done such a great job to do investigative reporting, mm. to, you know, go very deep into the society, write something, you know, nobody would know, and they really show the real China, mm. and try to help people to under- understand China. But I feel like over the last few years, the news organizations like that, there are few and a few of them. Mm. And even the, the, the big ones like Southern um, Weekly and somehow they they don't disappear, but they're not doing as a good job as right. before. Right. And the whole media landscape is kind of a t- completely changed. Right. Well, destroyed by the uprising of uh, new media right, and all media. that. Right. And, and people's reading habit totally changed. Right. And yeah. so it, it, I, I saw so much struggle mm. in the traditional media, mm. well, even the news portal. Mm. Um, so yeah, what do you think of that? Do, do you feel that's the case? And is there a way yeah. out? I, I also personally think that there's a downward spiral in mm. Chinese journalism. Um, like, cause I remember a couple of months ago, um, Sunday weekend, Sunday weekly, Nanfeng Zhongmo, they mm. were saying, oh, we are now a think tank like 
呃 news organization，、嗯、智库型媒体，智库型媒体 ，basically means that you're not a 媒体 anymore， right？ You are think tank， right？ Because you're more research focused instead of like reporting. They have to, I guess. Right? They have to adjust the way of operation. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's just a lot of. For and moreover, a lot of really prominent news organization are already not there. So, for example, Xiaoxiang Chenbao back then,、mm. uh, in the early twenties,、uh, it was like from Wuhan、mm. or from、uh, Hubei. Hubei, right? Sorry, it was a really Xiaoxiang. <laughs> it was a really important news organization back then, but I don't think they have important news analysis right now. I、mm. I can't remember. One. Yeah, <laughs> probably、so, they're not doing very well. Right, right, right. Yeah, so a lot of um very good. Uh, and also uh, what is it? Beijing Bao,、mm. who used to run Bingdian, the news organization. Yes, investigative journal. Yes,、yeah, it's gone for a while. Right, it's gone、right? for a very long time. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, a lot of really good um news programs, newspaper are no longer there. So it's very unfortunate. And in the same time, you see this you know burgeoning of soft media. Right, you have. Just more hung thousands millions of accounts, self media accounts.、Mm. So I remember that there was one um self media user commenting saying, "Oh, people have so much opinion these days, but we just don't have facts."、Mm. And I'm like, "Oh, that's so true." Because whenever you see, for example, Liu Xin, the case of Liu Xin, and you see titles like "Ren Xue Mantou," right? Um,、mm. so people were pouring opinions into soft media pieces,、mm. and、yeah. they don't really report on. So, what are the facts behind the Liu Xin case? Yeah, right. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's the interesting part because sometimes I feel like when I read some traditional media's coverage, as a reader, I want the opinion. I want the、mm. people tell me what they think about things.、Yeah. But that's not the best journalism practice,、mm, no. to be honest.、Yeah. Because you're biased, you're one-sided.、Mm. You, you're not presenting the both sides. You, you have a clear vision, clear idea about how the story should be written.、Mm, yeah. So that's the opposite of the balanced, objective coverage. <laughs> yeah. But that、yes. really feeds a lot of readers' needs because、right. they want to know what you think about it.、Right. Yeah. 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 And that goes back to the question about. What is the role of media、mm. should play in the society,、mm-hmm. and whether they should inform, educate,、yeah. or they should entertain, or、mm. they should just present the facts,、mm. and whether they are allowed to give their opinion or commentary about things, and I think that's that's fundamentally a debate about the the role, the role of media, media. In, in in society. This is sort of a struggle that both. China and also everywhere around the world are are debating about,、mm, right? Um, because of like technology, because of changing、mm. habits of、mm. people, and then because of the how our society works, how capitalism works. Yeah, especially yeah. the pouring of capitals into the journalism market, into self media.、Mm, It, yeah. It's so good in the sense that it encourages so many people to become self media bloggers,、mm. like people from all fields of life. So you can have more diverse moral perspective. But at the same time, because it's profit oriented, because people invested in it, you need to make profit.、Mm-hmm. So, like the editorial, like the news itself, is no longer the most important. What is most important is how you attract views, viewership, and then viewership can,、right. you know, the people who read your news can become your customers who buy your service. Yeah. Right. So the focus is just completely different now.
So that that's I I think a lot of media are trying to find their ways to self-sustain. One of the examples I still very much respect to is BBC. Business model of BBC is self-supportive, which is um, that they are reliant on people's like license fees, right? Mm. So they are not. But that's they are not, not really <laughs> self-supported. Kind kind of. They don't take money from big organization. Wait, isn't BBC kind of national, national. public? <laughs> yeah, it's it national. It's very national. They're only responsible for their licensors, for the mm. people that paying for the uh for for the service. Isn't that everyone has to pay for the license? Mm. Uh, whoever has a TV at their mm. house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's not real self-support. So they they get out of that kind of private. Sector, yeah, one that's one format of supporting themselves,、mm. so that they can ensure、mm. unbiased and、mm. fair reporting.、Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you take money from an organization, so when we in a situation that you're reporting something that might conflict your shareholders'、mm. interest and what choices that would you make? But that's ninety nine point nine percent of the situation. Exactly, that's, that's my point. My point、right. is that you know. Everyone is struggling to find a perfect model、right. for them to to do media、right. and、mm-hmm. to run.、Uh, Actually,、recording. I think our model is the best <laughs> model. <because laughs> seriously, yeah, because we don't rely on this to earn money, right? We、yeah. pay, basically do it. We're nonprofit. We're nonprofit,、mm-hmm. and that's the best way. We are not influenced by anybody, and we. Don't rely on this to earn、right. money, so we can just talk about talk talk about whatever we want to talk about.、Right. Yeah, but there、mm. might be a positive side of having a lot of investment is that、mm. you can update your tech. Yeah, yeah, seriously, like <laughs> so that we can have a fancy recording room <laughs> instead of recording at Yajun's、uh, study. I mean, like、yeah. just look at how Tencent is reporting news nowadays. They have like they're so good at doing it in a multimedia way. So、yeah. they have they integrate video, sound,、mm. uh, images, data、yeah. into one, right? Because it's they're so rich, because it's、mm. supported,、mm. right? So、yeah, it's a good side of having money. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something you know bothers really bothers everyone、mm-hmm. because recently we we met with some CEO of you know top tier、mm-hmm. international media and also some like chief editor of some、um, very key media overseas. I mean they present what they have been doing. They feel like it's quite innovative, and some others follow the you know traditional subscription way, but. Yeah, I I I'm not sure. I'm not so sure they really find the the, the right、mm-hmm. way out already.、Mm-hmm. And everyone's still you know, exploring. You know, looking for the better so for the、mm-hmm. you know better solution.、Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing bothering China. But I feel like China has many layers of a complication.、Mm-hmm. You know, there's、exactly. government influence, and there's also I I feel like also the. Bad credibility.、Mm. You know, a lot of financial media they take money from companies.、Mm. You know, write soft articles、mm. and yeah. yeah, that's you know that that somehow can sustain the company financially,、mm. but it really hurt the credibility.、Mm. Right.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it is depressing. I don't. I don't see the way out. Yeah.、Mm. Um. And I don't, I don't like the fact that you know people don't like read in depth stuff、mm-hmm. because that's, that's where you can have a conversation and you can see the full picture, like what you studied in in the right. in the school, right? right. You well, I don't have it anymore. Oh,、um, that's a luxury right now these days. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah.
Yeah. Oh, it's become such a... So let's, let's oh maybe end on this on a positive thing. So what do you enjoy the most about your work? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about <laughs> happy things. Um, what I enjoy the most about my work, I think probably is the fact that I can follow important changes in China so closely. Right. Um, people like I can follow trends so closely. I can, I do think that there are some really good, vibrant discussion on social media as well because I think that because China doesn't really have so much public space. Mm. Um, despite the fact, like everyone's on WeChat, but one misfortune of WeChat is that it's very private. So mm. it's invitation mm. based. Right. So you have to be invited to join a group chat, right? Mm. But on social media, mostly it's just open to everyone, so you can. You know, assess people's sentiments, and on important social issues, I do see vibrant discussions. So, for example, um, let's say, uh, let's say uh, the Hong Huanglang case. Right? Mm. Yeah, and for example, um, there was a couple months ago, there was this case of a CEO of a very important com uh, company in China. He was kind of like complaining that despite the fact that he pays so much tax, so many taxes to the government. He still doesn't have a hukou, and because he still doesn't have a hukou, he cannot send his kid to public school. Hukou is a res residential certificate, which give you give people the right to live and or to go to school in that, in right, that city. Right, right, right. So he was complaining about that, mm -hmm. and then you can see a lot of people saying, "Oh, yeah, I I feel the same. I share the same sentiment." And then they share their own personal story, mm -hmm. and a lot of people relate to that, and they also talk about you know how hukou constrain their life. But mm -hmm. also on the other side, you have people defending hukou, saying that, "Oh, you already have so many city problems. Like the mm -hmm. urban area is already so poor. Just so much people here. You mm -hmm. already have so much traffic there." Right, so I do see some pretty good discussion on social issues. Mm. So I feel like that part is what I can only get from my current job. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's true. Great. <laughs> is so that that's positive? A, yeah, that's very positive. Right. Yeah, where we read media articles every day, I do feel the technology does empower us or make it easier for us to consume information. Mm. It offers people the equal opportunity to access information. Mm. Right, right, right. That's yeah. also true. Yeah. Right, right. Technology as an equalizer. Media yeah. as an equalizer. Right. Yeah. So that's why I have I, I do have questions about subscription based media mm -hmm. because that give that indicates fundamentally that you need to pay for what you read. And then that automatically stop media or articles becomes universal consum mm. consumption or commodity. Mm. But at the same time, I also respect the job of serious journalism very much. So I feel like they should get rewarded. Mm. Um, and then so there is uh, again a dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a. A conversation with a lot of discussion and so far nobody has a solution yet. Yeah, yeah. But at least I think, you know, we are raising awareness, even though we don't have answer for now, but it is a top is an important topic requires everyone to keep thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Great. So on that note <laughs> Thank you so much Amy for joining us. Thank you for listening to Woman. If you have any feedback, write to us at Woman Podcast W O M E N Podcast at Outlook.com. Oh, 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 oh,